Let me ask you a question. How many of you would um, raise a hand and say that, that you've had God ask you things that turned out to be hard for you to do? Okay. All right. Me too. Uh, some of them have been like big things, you know, life-changing things and stuff. None of those, because Vicky and I have moved a lot of times and we've responded to the Lord and gone and done things and stuff like that. None of those uh, were quite as hard as this thing that I am going to share with you tonight. And <clears throat> the reason is because it was, it proved to be sort of impossible the way I was going about it. And that was something that I've talked to you guys about a bunch. We talked about last week with unity and the, and the ability and the necessity to see people differently than you do, but to see them like God does. And it's a simple equation. I say it everywhere I go. Christianity in its purest form is to learn to hear the voice of Jesus and do what he says. And I believe that with all my heart. And I believe if that's all a person did, and I, I think they would just be living an outstanding spiritual life. I think they would have great impact on the world around them. And so for us, our lives are a little more complicated than that because we've all got other, we've all got other things that we relate to God about. We've got missions, we've got callings, we've got a sense of what's going on in our lives and ministries and families and everything. And so, uh, I know that it's a little naive of me as a pastor to stand up here and just tell you that's all you gotta do. Uh, but one of the main things about that is it allows you, and I, I've gotten some help out of this, to ask the Father, how do you see this, Lord? How do you see it? And then try to align my thinking. Now, that's a lot easier, to change my thinking. But for the last little while, and particularly this week, I've, I've come to a thing that has presented more of a challenge, and it's uh, seeing like Papa sees. And here's the, 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 the way it works out. I believe that I have been given a gift, and I believe you have too, of clear sight that allows us to see like the Father sees. And it's through the sacrifice and victory of Jesus. Now, I can say that with absolute doctrinal assurance. And I could exegete a bunch of scriptures that would prove that. But I have the opportunity this week to to bump up against a part of me that needs to practically know how to do that. And so I'm going to try to Share that with us tonight, okay? So do we see people as God sees them? Well, 1 Corinthians 13.9 is one of my favorite verses because it creates an opening for me to understand my own inability to uh, see things clearly. And, and, you know, and I'm okay with it. We know in part, Paul says. That means that None of us in here know everything, even though we got a Bible, even though we've been to heaven, even though we pray and fast or whatever, even though we have great teachers like me teaching you. <laughs> That's funny. That should be funny. Be funny. Um, but we know in part, and we prophesy in part, and and you know you've heard me say before. I think that's designed that way, not just a consequence of us being finite, but but because God wants us to need one another, and he wants us to, and I think that's true, but more true than that is he wants us to need what only Jesus can give. Okay? The other one is, uh, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have also been fully known. And do you understand, this is a statement of fact we know in part and we prophesy in part. The explanation for that could be all manner of finiteness or ignorance. But this makes it relational. It says, for now we see in a mirror dimly. That's a reflection of this reality. But then face to face. So all of a sudden, Paul didn't say, now we see in a mirror dimly, and then we'll clean that mirror up and we'll be able to see clearly. He says, no, we'll see face to face. Because it's not a matter of adjusting our eyes per se. It's not a matter of cleaning the window per se. It is a matter of the relationship, the face-to-face relationship. I believe this is referring directly to the one who is love. Because this is in 1 Corinthians 13. So it's seeing face-to-face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I have been fully known. There's another verse I like a lot, and it's in 1 John chapter 3, and it talks about when we see him, we will be like him, 
because we will see him as he is. Well, that's weird. We'll see him as he is, and then that'll transform us. It'll make us that way, okay? So uh, do we see people as God sees them? The reality, I think, is no, we don't most of the time. Our perspective is limited, our values are often misplaced, and our vision is distorted. And so I found myself bumping up against this reality in my life this week, okay? Uh, should we see people differently than we do sometimes naturally? I think so. Uh, this is in Second Corinthians. Paul says, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him this way no longer. There's some important words in there. One is, uh, it's the love of Christ that controls how we see people, how we relate to them. Okay? It's not what they do. It's not what we think. It's the love of Christ. All right? And, and this will get simpler in just a little, a little bit. Uh, it, it, having concluded this, that one died for all, all died. He died for us. So they who live might no longer live for themselves. Now, the reality of Christ dying for us, dying for you, dying for me, dying for the people around us, does put an obligation on us to live for Christ. I'm not saying that there's not a better way to live sometimes than what you see in yourself or in someone else. So I'm not just trying to be Pollyanna and ignore the fact that we have bad things that happen and people do bad things. Okay? Uh, because they shouldn't. Because Christ died for them and they should give their heart to him. But therefore from now on, this is the choice Paul says that we're making. Is that we're not going to recognize anybody according to the flesh. What does that mean? I think it means I'm not going to look at you and assume I can know you. I can know who you are by simply what I see on the outside. Or what I see you saying and doing. Now, this you'll understand why this gave me trouble here in just a little bit. Uh, although we've known Christ according to the flesh, and yet we now know him no longer. So, should we see people different? I believe so, and I believe we can through the love of Christ and the sacrifice and death. So, how do we begin to see people like Papa does? Through Jesus' broken body and spilled blood. And that's why we're going to have communion tonight. And I have this elaborate and unusual communion set up. Because the Lord began to show me how my inability and my dark glass vision could be transformed. And it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool because I had been trying to transform it in other clever ways, and they weren't working. So, if you don't mind... I want us to prepare to take communion, and uh, and I'm going to give you some specific instructions, and I'll try to be clear about it. So what we have here are we have a bunch of crackers, and there really is quite a lot. Okay? And what we have here are these little, uh, I'm sorry to say, they're actually called crystal shot glasses. God forgive us. Here we are. What I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you come up and every one of you, if you would, take two of these. And then what we have here is we have, which one's this? We have juice, grape juice, red, uh, red grape juice, and we have wine. And you can have whichever one you wish. <laughs> I suppose you could, Ronnie, if you want to. <laughs> yeah, there's only two, so you can. Uh, Vicky was examining and saying, huh, I hope nobody goes home. Uh, with too much wine. Anyway, we have backup in wine, we have backup in juice. We don't have backup in crackers. But So, what I'd like you to do is, is uh, take about that many crackers, every one of you. Because we're going to go at this over and over <laughs> and over again. Okay? And if... Uh, yeah, and so... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take wine, so I'll pour my own. So I'd like you to take either wine or juice, whichever you prefer. Oops, and about that much, or maybe a tiny bit less. I'll pour it more back in. And the reason is because 
what we're going to do in communion tonight is we are going to engage with the body and the blood of Jesus multiple times. Make sense? So, uh, if you want to come up here, Vic, you want to come help me? or Huh? Yeah, you can. Come on up. Come on up. So, so uh, Ronnie, that one that says wine is? Wine. Wine. And this is grape juice. So, uh, ask them what they want. Now, I want you to dip in here, Jason, get your own crackers here. I'll get my stuff out of the way. There you go. And you guys just come on up whenever it's convenient. And once we get this all done, we'll be ready to go. Excellent. All right. So uh, it, it's, we're going we're gonna to take communion, and I just want to read this communion scripture. It's the body and blood of Jesus. For, this is Paul in 2 Corinthians 11. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this. And as often as you drink it, remember it's of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So there is a sense in which we are, we are engaging in the death and resurrection of the Lord through this situation. There it is in, in uh, Spanish. Uh, no, not right now. <laughs> There's another passage just a little ways further in there, and it talks about uh, eating, being careful how you eat, eating and drinking uh, righteously or unrighteously or some such thing. And uh, and there's a, there's a lot of teaching that goes on about that. But one of the key verses in there, and I didn't put it up here yet, but one of the, or one of the key verses in there talks about discerning the body. And there's a lot of different schools of interpretation and thought on that. One is discerning the body of the Lord. The other is discerning the body. And there's a lot of weight, in my estimation, for properly discerning the body of Christ, the body of the church, the body of the people around us, as a part of that. And it's just a couple verses down, or one one or two verses down, like around 28, 29. Uh, And the reason that I think that is because Paul is addressing the whole situation with communion in the Corinthian church, that they were rushing ahead of one another, they were making like a big party of it, and he was talking about them understanding that they were doing this together, and they were there. So what I don't think that all means is to be afraid of coming to the communion table, because if you have a little sin in your life, God's going to strike you with lightning or something like that. What it is is to be conscious, okay? And so this is a huge exercise for me today, uh, tonight, about being conscious about this, and... I actually forgot what's next in my PowerPoints. Let's see. Um, ah, okay. We'll get to that in a second. That's Isaiah chapter 60. So um, I'm going to share with you out of my journal. And th- this was kind of what happened. So let me let me set the stage for this. And I don't want anybody to be offended because I'm not presuming on anyone's political bent. Okay, you're free to like and dislike who you want. But uh, we had uh, an amazing ascension uh, yesterday or whenever it was. It seemed like it was a million years ago. It was yesterday morning. And as you know, that sometimes when you're when you're uh, being caught up and you're seeing things in heaven, it's like you get handed an assignment. And I remember sharing a testimony last week, or Vicky was on from uh, Christ Church New Zealand shared that a few weeks ago we got called to. Uh, we were like being caught up in the Lord. We were hovering around Australia and we had the ability to pull water up and release it over the land. And three days later, after we made those declarations, and, and, and nobody thinks we're the only ones that did it. God was using other people. What well, doesn't matter? It could have been us. I mean, it doesn't matter. But we were doing that faithfully and it actually put the fires out and did a whole bunch of stuff. So it's pretty cool. So this ascension, the assignment that came, uh, we, we were engaged in the light that is the Lord. Yes. Sure, it's uh, getting together and taking a trip to heaven uh, under the leadership of the Lord and seeing things and having him show you stuff. Um, it's probably more complicated than that, both in, in definitely. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a lot like that. It's, you know, uh, John was in the spirit on the Lord's day and a voice behind him said, come up here, let me show you things which are to come. And, and so we were practicing that. And uh, Tim and Meg were leading it, supporting Nancy's uh, Nancy Cohen's network. And 
they got a, a good team now. There's about 13 or 14 people from all over the world, I guess, really, right? And it's pretty fun. So anyway, th- we got this assignment to take this light, almost the same way we had gotten the assignment three weeks before, to carry this water, the, this water process, but to carry this light and literally uh, breathe this light in and around and through the Capitol building. And, um, and, and the claim of the promise was that, that, the, that the light will kind of go... And it felt more like it was like a fog or a smoke or something like that. Uh, but it, it wasn't reacting like light does out of a flashlight, but it was like it was a substance. But it went out, and the promise was that it was going to go to every crack and every nook and every cranny and every heart in the Capitol building uh, and dispel the darkness and dispel depression. And it was really very powerful. It was very powerful. And on the heels of this thing where where we were just seeking to be obedient in relationship to um, that water situation in Australia, and then a few days later, the fires quit. Hey, Sonny. Uh, a few days. Oh, yeah. Sonny, do you want wine or juice for communion? I'll do the wine. All right. You want the bottle or just one of these little glasses? <laughs> there you go. Well, come up here and get it. This is Sonny. There you go. You get to be introduced. No doubt. I always appreciate it when people come late. It takes no effort to come on time. I mean, no, wait, not, I don't mean that. Takes, there's no emotional trauma when you come on time. But if you're late and you come anyway, it's awesome. Ignore the first half of that analysis. Okay. I do appreciate it when people come late. Because aren't you always tempted, if, if, if something comes up and you're late, you're tempted to not come? So I think it's a really wonderful thing when you do. Okay, where was I? So we were in this, we were in this uh, ascension. We had this assignment. And, I mean, I, I know I believed it. You know, I think we all did. And it's, it's that kind of group, you know, because we've, we've actually had some neat successes and things have shown up. So we did it. And we got through it, and, and it was really precious. It was really precious. And I'm not doing justice to the ascension. But that was the assignment. So then, uh, later in the day, I uh, was busy doing a bunch of things, uh, and I watched some of the impeachment trial. That might have been a mistake. Now, again, this is why I want you to understand, you're welcome to have whatever political bench you want, but I have to talk about uh, an individual so you understand what I was up against. And the individual that that... I had um, some issues with was Adam Schiff as he was leading the thing. But I understand, and I'm, this is for Facebook and everything, I understand that there are people that, that have just as much, if not more, trouble with President Trump. So this is going to apply whether, whether whoever it is. And it's going to apply beyond politics, but it's going to be built around the political thing. So please don't think I'm trying to, trying to lobby for one side or another. That's quite the opposite of my purpose. But for me personally... I had a difficult time with uh, Congressman Schiff. And so let me read my my journal. And so you know a little bit, uh, I've journaled for a really long time. I got this little system where I put a triangle next to it if I think God's talking, and I put an O for original if I think I'm talking or asking questions. And uh, so here's what I said. This was me talking to God. I said, I'm sorry I let the swirl around the Senate trial and the news turned my thoughts so dark and sour, especially in light of what we were called to do in the ascension. And I felt like the Lord answered and said, there is darkness in all of that. You were touched by it. That reality is what I'm using you and others to overcome. Learn as you follow. Don't direct it at anyone in particular. When you do that, you engage personally, and your insight and power to release light and life gets bound up in that one-on-one struggle. And I, I, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it made a lot of sense to me. Because as soon as there was a face in front of me of someone that I didn't trust or respect or think was speaking the truth or whatever the case is, I found that I had pulled back from a, a higher level of intercession and thought and a peaceful heart. And what did I say? I got caught up in the swirl. Uh, <laughs> what did I say? Uh... Oh, the swirl of the darkness, and so on and so forth. So um, then it said, the individuals manifesting the darkness 
are victims. The Lord said this, the individuals manifesting the darkness are victims of it themselves in need of rescue and restoration. To recognize this is to see this struggle and these ensnared in it as I see it. Victims deserve rescue. And rescuers deserve empowerment and support so not to become victims themselves. Victory is not one side or faction of my children defeating the other. Victory is all my children being delivered from the ensnarement to darkness into the light of revelation. All right, now I don't have a disagreement with that at all, and it's silly to disagree with the Lord when he's talking to you anyway, but that even makes sense to me. But the fact of the matter is, even though that made sense to me, and even though we'd received this assignment, even though I engaged in that in fully faith, I still didn't like it. I didn't like Adam Schiff. I didn't like the way he was doing things. And I know there are equally people out there, and this is the last time I'm going to say it, that don't like Trump and don't like what he's doing. And there's probably a whole bunch of other people that people don't like. But we've been talking about unity. We've been talking about the fact that Christ died for everybody. We've been talking about the fact that there is an inclusiveness in his death whether or not that is manifest in what we would think of as salvation or a current relationship with God or whatever, that's not the part that I'm concerned about. The part I'm concerned about is that Christ died. And so I'm going to use Adam Schiff, if you'll permit me. Christ died for Adam Schiff. I don't know what his background is. I know, though, that in his background, Jesus hung on a cross for him. That I know. And so... I will just assure you, without going into the gory details, that my thoughts about Adam Schiff, they didn't take that into account when my heart was dark. But my heart wasn't dark when I was with the Lord. I was actually bummed. I was like repentant, you know. But more than just being repentant and and saying I'm sorry, I was longing to be able to manifest and represent the reality of what I believe, the reality of what we believe about who Jesus is and what he's done and what he's planning on doing. When we were singing the song um, Ever Be, there's that part in there that he'll have his bride. The Lord's going to get his way. The question is, am I going to be a help? Or am I going to be somebody he's got to work on instead of working through? Okay? And so I, I want to tell you guys, I wrestled a little bit with this. Um, I have a pretty good mind, and so I have a lot of clever ways to try to make this work. Uh, you know, uh, I would think, well, yeah, Lord, you did die for him, and I would go through my whole doctrinal position, and it confirmed that I should be thinking differently about him than I did. And for a moment, I would. And then a thought would race through my head, and you can blame the devil if you want, but I honestly think it was me. <laughs> But a thought would go, and there would be some quote or something. And then I just got totally knocked off stride because, uh, and it wasn't just Adam Shift. It was, it was news people, and it was even news people sometimes that I like, sometimes I don't like. They were just saying such vindictive, bitter things about one another. They were making up all kinds of horrible names. I was agreeing with some of those names. I was offended by some of those names. And then Anderson Cooper, I saw a little tiny clip, which I should have quit watching. Um, I saw this little tiny clip where he was talking to, uh, D uh, Dershowitz, who's on the president's legal team, and he brought up a clip from 1998 where Alan seemed, it was like a 25 second clip where it seemed to contradict something he said today. And I thought, that's the first time I've heard anybody bring up a clip of something, and these people are saying things that, that contradict what they said 24 months ago or 12 months ago or whatever, you know. So, anyhow, that made me super mad, and that was, that was before this, but that was the thing I was kind of living under the next day is it wasn't just that one one guy. So uh, the Lord was counseling me and everything was cool. said, it's true, you know, your enemies destroyed when they become your friends. And this isn't an easy way, but it is my way. And you can make it your way. I will walk this way with you. And uh, And so we went on, and then I sat down to have communion. And for whatever reason, I had oyster crackers. There was a little package of them laying on the counter, and I took those and a little glass of wine. And I started to have communion. And, and so here's what, what began to happen, and then I'm going to walk us through this. Um, I, was, I was believing what the Lord said, but it seemed way too big for me to do, way too big for me to execute.
How do I dispel darkness from my heart and mind? And I'm sitting right here with communion elements right next to me. And so what I did and what I'd like you guys to do with me is I'd like you to take one of the crackers and I'd like you to just hold it in front of you. And then uh, as we're partaking in communion tonight, this is the body of Jesus. And I don't know exactly how all of us relate to that and I don't fully understand what it means when Jesus says that this is my body, but let's just let it be beyond a symbol. Let it be real. Let it be something of the body of Christ that's been created. So if you could just kind of break it a tiny bit. This is my body broken for you. Okay? And then put in your mouth. Now let me ask you a question because this is what I did. And I hadn't ever experienced this before. Because I, I break it a lot like that. The moment I put it in my mouth, the oyster cracker had some little hard edges and stuff. And I could feel... The brokenness. I could feel it on my tongue. You understand what I'm saying? So this isn't just a, it's not just words. Jesus was really saying, this is my body broken for you. Oh, wow. So I'm sitting there thinking, and I want you to think about it a little bit. It was, in part, the breaking of Jesus' body that allowed the blood to pour from Jesus' body. And so this breaking of Jesus' body, you know, uh, in other places in Scripture, it talks about how by his stripes we're healed. Uh, it says that this is my body broken for you. And so when I felt that crunchy break in my mouth, I was thinking about the for me part of it. And I was going, Wow. I mean, doors are open for healing. Doors are open for all kinds of things, right? So then, and, and I want you to take a little sip, but we're going to stretch this out. So then I took a sip of the blood, and, and, and I had my eyes closed, and I was realizing, oh my gosh, it's from your broken body. This is an integrated thing. It's not just ones for healing and ones for atonement. So I took a little tiny sip, and I saw myself standing there. And I saw... Now going from outside to inside, Jesus' broken body literally becoming a part of me and his blood sort of washing over me as I took this little tiny sip. Can you guys see that? Yeah, okay. And so uh, partly this is the fruit of me expanding my communion routine to include more of a, a little bit of a meal with the Lord about it rather than just one little act with a one cracker and one little sip of thing. So now I've still got some sitting over there on the armchair of our sofa of my office. And, uh, and then, um, so I was here feeling the healing, feeling the presence of the Lord. And, and then I said to the Lord, I go, Papa, as I'm thinking right now, the way of my thoughts are too big and too terrible for me. Now, terrible. I had backed away from those dark thoughts, like hatred thoughts. But still this issue is so big because there really are things at stake in the world. There really are people that are on the one side or another and they're mean and all kinds of things. And I didn't know what to do. And so God, God spoke to me and he said, do you feel the brokenness of my body entering you? And I did. It was a unique experience. I felt that brokenness, and all of a sudden now it's really a part of me. And he said this, and this is what I'm going to read to you, and I want you guys to do it. And if, if, if Trump's the guy you don't like, think of him. And if Adam Schiff is a guy you might not like, think of him. And if there's somebody else, like your, you know, your uncle or your landlord or something, I mean, just think of whoever you want to think of that you don't like. He said, think of Adam Schiff. So I'm sitting there with my eyes closed next to the communion element on the sofa in my office, and I'm feeling my own redemption as a gift of grace. And then the Lord said, think of Adam Schiff, and Adam Schiff's face came to mind. Then I saw him standing in front of me, in my mind. Think nothing of him, 
but as one created to bear my image. Now, that was one of the most profound thought changes that I've ever experienced because up to that point, when I thought of Adam Schiff, I thought of him as a, as a Democrat and as a congressman and a guy running the impeachment trials and, you know, various things that I, that clouded my mind and stirred my heart. When he said, think of him as nothing but one created to bear my image, all of that fell away. And there was a guy named Adam Schiff who was created to bear the image of God. Think of nothing, think nothing of him, but as one created to bear my image. Think not of who he is outwardly or what he is doing presently, but rather how he is made to rise and shine and display my light, my life, and my glory. That's where the Isaiah passage came in. Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you, and nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And it was, it, 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 if the Lord was playing fair, he probably wouldn't have used that verse on me, because that was one he spoke to me a long time ago in my life. And uh, I know uh, I had the pastor that I was working for at the time said, oh, that's Israel, and I don't doubt that it is, but... Um, uh, wine or juice for communion? There you go. There you go. And here's the other. Yeah, you can. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah, set it over there on the table or someplace. That'd be awesome. Um, so can you imagine with me, can you do that with me? Can you envision the person you're thinking about and only allow yourself or only see them with the most basic created value that they have, which is they're made to be image bearers of Jesus, to reflect the glory of the Father on the earth. Okay, and so then it's time now to take a cracker and to take your wine and break the cracker and put it in your mouth. Thank you, Jesus. And feel the brokenness. Only this time, not for me, but in my case, for Adam Schiff. And the Lord said to me, is it enough? Is my broken body enough for what ails him? And I don't even know what ails him. I don't know how he got to be who he is or what he is. I'm not sure everything I think is wrong is wrong, but... Um, so that wasn't really the point as to reanalyze Adam Schiff. It was, is my brokenness enough to heal his brokenness. And it is. It overwhelmingly is. When I was sitting there, I was going, well, of course, <laughs> of course it is, Lord. This is my body, broken for Adam. And then God asked me that question. Do you believe it's enough? And I said, yes, Lord. And he said, drink from the cup. And then he asked me the question again. He said, is it enough for Adam? And then I knew that there was a little bit of a double entendre there. Adam. Adam. Got it. Yeah. Not just enough for Adam Schiff, but enough for Adam, the man. Adam, the mankind. And so now any vestige in me to try to make an excuse to hold something against Adam Schiff was undone by the question, is it enough to forgive? 
Is it enough to cleanse? Well, yeah, it is. It, it is. I mean, I didn't even need to like try to convince myself. I knew it was, and I felt, I felt my capacity to be provoked by darkness beginning to change. Now, I don't know that, I don't, I don't know that I'm permanently changed. But I started to see something about, about the power of these gifts that we have been given of the body and blood of Christ. And the things that I had tried to do before is I tried to create equivalencies in my mind where, okay, well, that's not that bad. And he probably believes what he's saying. And, um, you know, I don't know what went on. There were all kinds of excuses or, or reasons why I was trying to think my way through. But there is a way which seems right to the man. There is a, a legal kind of work-related way of doing things that doesn't change it. But when I was both blessed by and endured the question, can you feel the brokenness and is it enough for this man that you dislike? I go, yeah. And when that, and I was, I was using, you know, I was drinking wine, and so that little bit of infuse that that happens, and I could just feel it, and I saw it, just, I just saw it in my mind's eye, washing and becoming part of Adam, Chip, and Adam. And it changed. It changed something inside me. Communion changed something inside me. Not doctrine. And not social obligation. Not trying to be good. So, um, let's see where we go from here. So the in the middle of that process, the Lord said, apply that awareness of my broken body to Adam Schiff as he stands in your heart and mind, apart from his current persona, apart from his present imperfect vision of truth, see him as one created to carry and reveal my image, the image of my son. And then I took it and it said, now drink the blood of my son shed for the forgiveness of sins and hold Adam as I created him to be, my image bearer, hold him in your mind. Is this blood sufficient to forgive and cleanse? And I said, oh, yes. And then God said this. He said, I never see Adam Schiff or Donald Trump without seeing my beautiful and victorious risen son, both by my side and in me and with and in them. I never And all these times I was trying to get God on my side in the argument about the people I don't like. <laughs> he said, I never see Adam Schiff. Then I don't see my son. And you guys know what I feel about that atonement. That So all of a sudden, Scripture started flooding me. Hebrews chapter 8, 12. I will um, greet their transgressions with mercy, and their sins I will remember no more. Uh, it does not yet appear, First John chapter 3, it does not yet appear who we are, but when we see him, we will be like him. How angry can I be at a man or a woman for not seeing who Jesus is? There's a million reasons to not see who Jesus is, because we all know in part. And we look at a mirror, a glass, distortedly. But Paul got beyond that, and he said, we no longer recognize anyone according to the flesh. What if the things that I didn't like about Adam Schiff, or that others might not like about Trump, what if they are emanations, they are coming out of their flesh? Well, Paul says that we know no man after the flesh. We recognize no one after the flesh. I'll tell you, I recognize Adam Schiff in my mind because of his facial features and his eyes and you know, I could get negative. <laughs> anyway, when I first looked at it, I saw him, and I, 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 quote, recognized the image of Adam Schiff in my mind. But when I got through with this process, he was an entirely different-looking being. He was a being that clearly was created to bear the image of God. He was a being clearly created to, uh, to worship Jesus to receive the gift of grace that is in Christ. 
through his body and blood. And then I started going through a few others, because this proceeding had brought a few other people to mind. And so I, I took another I, I took another cracker, you know, and I go, well, what about people as a group? And so because I was caught up in that thing, you know, and I was taking sides in the impeachment, I said, well, what about all the house managers? Because I had, in my mind, I'd said some, some bad things about each of them. So I go, and once again, is my brokenness sufficient for their healing? Yeah, it is. Is my blood sufficient for their cleansing and forgiveness? Yeah, yeah, it is. And it kept getting easier every time, easier and easier. Then I started thinking about the news people. You know, I'd mentioned Anderson Cooper. And I figured there was a bunch of them, so I took like three or four crackers. <laughs> no, and, and I didn't do it because they were worse. I did it because, can I have this same experience over a bunch of people instead of just the discipline of focusing on just one? Can I do that? So I took like three crackers, and I, I broke them. So you go like NBC, keep going, keep going. You're NBC CBS, Fox. Yeah. yeah. And now this question is just a part of me. Is it enough? Is my broken body enough for their little panels of name-calling? Is it enough? Yeah. yeah, it is. Images of the media is flashing in my head. Is my blood enough? Yeah, yeah, it is. So then I got down to where there was... Uh, I, I had a few love, like you guys do. And the Lord said, I want you to take communion for yourself again. And I took one. And I broke it. And I closed my eyes and I put it in my mouth and I felt the brokenness of it. But then I became aware that the brokenness passed and it began to go inside me. It was in me. His body was in me. It's a mysterious kind of thing. I don't fully understand it. But I started to experience that. When I swallowed, then the Lord said, that which is in you is what allows you to touch that which is in them, if you will. And then I remembered the ascension. I remembered that we'd been called to do, do an act of faith from love, right? Although we didn't actually focus on the love part then. But that's where it comes from. Because when you do good things for people, contrary to your, your wishes, your opinions, your lusts, you're acting in love. And so I could feel the presence of the body in me. And I took a little sip. And he said, is it sufficient not only to cleanse, cleanse you, but to cleanse the interaction between you and the people? that I'm calling you to speak to. And I go, yeah, it is. It is. So then I had a few left. And I felt like the Lord said, I want you to eat the rest of them. And I want you to see if it's enough for the world. And so I, I broke them a little bit. Even the sound of them breaking changes things. This is my body, broken for you. Now I have a mouthful. And the question is, is it enough? And the answer is, yeah. It is. And then he said, drink all of it. And I thought about Uganda. Their elections are coming up. There's a dictator there. But instead of rehearsing in my mind all the difficulties that stand in the way of righteousness, I go, wow, it's enough. It's enough. And Here's some other scriptures that I'd like you guys to meditate on. And 
I'll keep the screen up here after we're done, and you can write them down if you want. Um, the First Corinthians thirteen nine through twelve. We know in part, we see in part. Isaiah fifty nine twenty one. Um, it's it's before that more famous passage in Isaiah sixty. It says, uh, and this is the covenant. I'm going to put my spirit in them and my words in their mouth, and I'm going to do this. And this is after a really rough chapter in Isaiah. Then there's sixty. Verse 1 through 3, which we read, Arise and shine, your light has come, the glory of the Lord risen upon you. The Isaiah 60 passage promises darkness and deep darkness on the people. And when I read that passage of Scripture, actually it came to me when I was interacting with God over Adam Schiff in the impeachment. He goes, there's darkness here. And there's deep darkness in a person. There are some people there that are in deep darkness. But you, for one, are called to let the, the, the to rise and let the light of the Lord shine out of you. So you can meditate on that one. Then Isaiah 61 is that magnificent passage of Scripture says, The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. You know, anointed me to bring deliverance, to set the captives free, to do all this kind of stuff. And then Jesus repeated that about himself in Luke 14.21. And then I don't have the Scripture up here, but if you'll give yourself permission to think you might be significant in the role of that anointing, you can go to John chapter 20. And Jesus said, As the Father sent me, so send I you. So the first announcement he makes about his own Anointing is probably the very same anointing backed by the very same presence of the Holy Spirit and the same personal presence of Jesus that's in you and me. So it's not unusual that God should take a bunch of people who are stumbling around heaven and give them an assignment. <laughs> right? Because we carry that, that anointing. Um, the other ones are the ones that I talked about in 1 John 3. Look at Jesus and be like him. And it says that if you do this, you'll purify yourself. And I thought of Adam Schiff again. Adam, if you could just see him like I see him, or even more so, then the issues won't be, you know, insurmountable. They won't. Um, John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Jesus is the light that the darkness can't understand. But he's also the light that coming into the world enlightens the heart of every man. So just some stuff to meditate on. And we could probably take a few minutes with questions or comments or anything you want, but uh, I just want to pray for you right now. I want to be grateful for the, the communion that we have been invited into in Christ. So, Father, I thank you for delivering me and giving me a, a concrete tool, a concrete reality, so that I didn't have to keep trying to trick myself into believing or thinking in a way that was impossible for me to break on my own. Forgive me, Father, for ever indulging in the judgment and hatred that um, comes sometimes to me in the political realm. I do believe that I'm changed. I don't believe that I am complete yet or fully changed. And so I cling to this gift of communion, the broken. And yes, I felt the brokenness and it's enough. The broken body of Jesus and the shed blood, the outpoured blood, yes, it is a mighty torrent, and it is enough. And I felt a sufficiency when I had my mouth full of oyster crackers, Lord, to realize that any direction, any place in the globe, any society or culture, rich or poor, politically powerful or victimized, your broken body is enough to heal this. And your blood is enough to cleanse. And your heart, because you are not mistaken about the final and finished and, and amazing work that your son has done, your heart can meet all of our transgressions with mercy and not identify us with nor remember our sins anymore. Not just mine, and I thank you for that. Not just ours but the Adam Schiff's in our life or the Donald Trump's in our life or the people that have abandoned or abused us, spoken ill against us or the people in far off lands who are strangers to us that somehow have found a place of irritation in our hearts and minds. I thank you for the body and the blood of Jesus. I thank you that it is a more powerful weapon for transformation than I understand 
currently. And I pray for the ability to grow and to receive more and more revelation concerning this amazing gift of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Sonny, grab yeah. that mic there. <clears throat> yeah, towards the end of the prayer, I felt like God said, look up the word slander. So I've never really went after that definition. It's just a term that we all kind of know, but it's making false and damaging statements about someone. So according to the flesh, we can judge and we can assess somebody's behavior. And there, there is a right and wrong, but what I felt like God's saying is, but the deeper issue is that the identity of that person that's made in the image of God if we go deeper, we tend to slander the very core of that person. Right. So right. to pull back from, in the name of what we see on the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I tell you, you, this is something I'm pretty sure about. We're never going to get God on our side when we're slandering people according to the flesh or recognizing them according to the flesh. Ronnie, I think maybe others might have this question, but I know I do. Uh-huh. So I thought I'd ask it. And it is, though we can know and believe and trust that what God isn't, did is enough for everybody, uh-huh. do you still feel it's okay to fight against something that you feel is unrighteous that's coming out of them? I do. I do. But we have a lot of... Uh, we have a lot of little scenarios in our minds. At least, not, let me speak to myself. I had and, and created and maintained a lot of explanations and a lot of cliches and a lot of thoughts that allowed me to pretend <coughs> to myself that I was coming against the, only the, the evil of the thing they did and not including the person in it. But for me, and I'm not trying to say for you, for me, that was a lie. And it was shown up in this exercise, in this communion. Because I felt the brokenness. And it, and, and I have, I have to make a choice. Do I see this applying or not? Because if I see it applying, then it's the biggest issue about whatever it is that's manifesting in that person, the need. And so for me, I, I would say, yes, I think we can. I think we, we obviously should. I mean, um, I'm not going to hesitate if I have a chance to help some young girl avoid being sex trafficked because of the fact that I realized that the trafficker was made to reflect the glory of God. Um, but I'm not going to allow myself to take that next step and render an abiding judgment on that person. Um, now, I say that, and we'll see how that works out in, pra in practice. You may see me stuffing my mouth full of oyster crackers many, many, many times <laughs> in the near future. <laughs> yes, Vicki. So, <clears throat> to Ronnie's question, one of the things that um, I have been doing in my life is to look at the agendas that are out there um, through groups, um, whether it's you know, abortion, things that I disagree with, you know, I'll just be honest. Um, and so what, what I find is when you assign, um, when you assign an agenda to a group, you tend to con condemn that group of people. But when you step back and you go to one person in that group and you have relationship with them and you talk to them, you realize, wait a second, this person isn't as deeply into that thing as I think that they are. And so, um, you know, to your question, Ronnie, I think we can address the agendas. And the way that I do that is I pray against those. And I believe that there are um, demonic spirits behind those things like abortion, sex trafficking, uh, even the gender um, neutrality or whatever they're calling it these days um, towards our children. And these things, uh, these things concern me as a society that we're going to answer for those down the road. Um, 
societally, you know. And so what I try to do is I try to address the spirit of that thing, but not assign it to a person. Because once I assign it to a person, I, I do. I go down the dark road and I'm like, out of my life. Not really. That's never happened. I've never put anybody out of my life. But um, I know people who do. Um, and so I, that's something I had to deal with this week. But anyway, um, so I would just encourage us that, that when we're looking at social justice issues, those kind of things, yes, we can work against those. But we can't work against seeing who God is in the individuals that we want to see transformed and changed. Because that's the only way the agenda is going to go away, is one individual at a time. It's It's got to be that way. And so Christians do need to talk to that, but we talk to the agenda all the time. We don't back up and grab a person and say, hey, come over here and let's talk about abortion. Or, hey, come over here and let's talk about, you know, why you're attracted to little kids. We don't do that. And we need to do that. We're always addressing it as the issue out there. But there are real people involved in this. And the only way you're going to change them is one-on-one. You're not going to change them by an agenda. And and thinking that, you know, so anyway. You know, and, and so I want to I wanna take a minute and, and refocus on, on one thing, which was, I believe, the objective for tonight. Um, there is, there's bad stuff in the world, and there's no excuse for it. However, there are lots and lots of people in the world. Some of them are victims, and some of them are perpetrators. And most are both, you know. And so the question that was settled in my heart through what the Lord did for me in communion, in which I was trying to share with you, is, is my broken body enough? And is my outboard blood enough. I don't want to immediately get into an analysis of all the bad and good things and how we can react to them and forget that question. Because I believe with all my heart that what God did in giving me this communion thing and me trying to share it with you guys is he gave us a tool to help see more like him. And when he told me he never sees Adam Schiff or Donald Trump without also seeing his beautiful son, I that I need to somehow honor that. I need to adopt that into my vision, my distorted through a dark mirror only seeing part way. There's room in what I know to add some stuff, and that's something I would like us to add. Tim? Uh, first of all, I want to say I thought the communion thing was beautiful. It was a follow-up on Thursday, and I thought it was great. But I, I just have a comment, you know, and I, I'm glad you brought this up. But, and I certainly have handled it the wrong way too, just like you were talking about. So it was nice to, uh, to settle that tonight. But when I think of the president trying to be non-political, you know, regardless of what your political views are or how you voted, even when other presidents who were Democrats were in office. We prayed for them. Mm-hmm. I might not have agreed with their politics Absolutely. at all, but I think we're to pray for the president and the office and our Congress. It's important that we do that. And just to bring out the positives in President Trump and some of the things that he's done already, uh-huh. we might think he's a little outspoken sometimes and brash, but look what he's done. I mean, he's turned the economy around tremendously. You know, he's actually made the China trade agreement work. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's working with Israel and trying to make peace in Israel. He's he's working with uh, uh, the pro-life people. He actually, he and his, the first lady and the vice president and his I first know. lady yeah. actually prayed with the group of pro-life. Sure. And, yeah, and that has too. never happened with the president before. I know. And, and praise God. And he yeah. did it publicly. Pray for the man. I mean, it's just tremendous what what he's trying to do, even if you don't agree with the other parts of mm-hmm. it, at least pray for what he's trying to do. Because yeah, as a yeah. Christian, well, we and, have and, that responsibility. And, and Tim, keep in mind, what that scripture says is pray uh, for, for the leaders, I think. And uh, like it or not, Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and uh, McConnell 
And they're all, they're leaders. What they do affects you and I. It affects our life. It affects our money. It affects stuff like that. And, uh, and so I agree with you. We, we can pray and, uh, and, and, and when I'm tempted to have to try to make up a scenario with make, that lets me feel justified in praying, I think, I think, I'm, I'm hoping that's gone. And I'm going to try to get it gone because these give me permission to pray without any makeup of anything, without anything fake. You know, these do. And, um, yeah, that's good though. But I agree. I agree. And I, you know, I, I have preferences for sure. I'd be honest with you, but I'm, yeah, Leticia. Okay, okay, okay. Well, are there any more any more comments? Just one offhand that you know, I realize Grab the mic so they can hear you. Sorry. Yeah. I mean I, you know, I've no, I've been in God for a long time, but I do realize that I have a past. <laughs> Just as degenerate as any one of these guys. Yeah. yeah. And if if I can be healed and my mindset Continually straighter and straighter, yeah. you know. Like you say, is that enough? Yeah. I think it is. It is enough. Yeah. Amen, Bob. Uh, sort of guilty as charged. I happen to be part of a Thursday morning breakfast group, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> me too. Yesterday, before this ascension, that you referred to uh-huh. with eloquence and the journaling that uh, really impressed me. I may have made a statement earlier about the same individual, Adam Schiff, as a grand weasel. <laughs> and, and, I, and I thought about it. Uh, and I thought about what I'd said later on my 35-minute drive home. Okay. And, uh, so this is not just in response to the, the message tonight. This is in response to the Lord. <laughs> and, uh, and I had to pull over because I was ashamed. And I started weeping. When I thought, I know the life is in the blood, yeah, and I believe the truth will set us free, yeah. But it was very easy for me to become judgmental, oh. and and I was. Me too. And uh, I just asked near the end of this little pulling over to the side. Um, I said, Lord, perhaps you can see him as he really is. Help me to see him as he will soon be. Amen. And uh, just get me to that point. Yeah. And I will be much better off than I am right now. Yeah. And yeah. and I apologize to that group and, and regret that I didn't go to the ascension. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? The ability to ask that question and, and, and to ask it in faith. Lord, show me what I cannot see that you can see. Who Who, who is this God? What glory... Is he going to reveal as an image bearer that I can't and that all the people that I think are cool can't? I don't know. Yeah. Vicki? Yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah, that was pretty beautiful. Leticia, why don't you grab a mic and and, uh, share with us what it is and lead us in prayer. Thank you guys for letting me walk you through this. I appreciate it. So uh, we just got a text message, and since we are empowered with the agreement and consciously about the life of Jesus and our our blood and his blood, amen, and he light us to be light. So just by the time we was doing the communion, we got this message that one of the doctors in Colorado Springs, it's a partner of, um, work partner of one of our members here. Mm-hmm. He's in a surgery. He has some type of brain problem, brain, I don't know, it was kind of like, uh, um, it was kind of, Yes, that one. And he's in surgery, so he's been asking that people pray for him, please. Mm-hmm. What's his so, first name? Uh, his name is Sam. Sam? Sam, yes. Okay. Yeah, go ahead and lead us. Go ahead and lead us. We'll disagree. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <sighs> Father, well, thank you so much for the, for the gift, the, the miracle, the grace, the favor that you've been showing us and the cross. Thank you for your son, Jesus. 
Thank you, thank you, Lord, for die for us, to pour your blood, blood that is the most powerful element in earth. We honor the blood. We embraced the mystery, all the, all the powerful uh, mystery that you give us in this blood. We embrace the power of resurrection. We, embla- we embrace the light and the life that it's on the blood. Jesus Christ. In this moment, we present this man that is asking for prayers. We present these doctors that are operating right now, his brain. Father, and we ask you the manifestation of the power of this blood in this man. Father, we pray for a special encounter in this moment. That this man will recognize you as his Savior, as his, his Lord, yes, God. as the God that it's possible that this, the life of this man will be preserved and, and he will heal. We pray for healing in this moment. We send the power of, of the blood of Jesus on you, Sam, as the body of Christ, as co-creators with him. We thank you, Jesus, for the miracle we thank you so much, Holy Spirit. Yes, sir. We thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for healing. And, uh, okay, so wait, a couple things happen. If, uh, if, Greg, if you could kind of go let Laurel know we're done, she can let the kids out or whatever, that, that'd be awesome. And then since we, we are actually, uh, the country still is actually engaged in an impeachment trial, and we're asked to pray for our leaders. Uh, Richard. <laughs> Uh, would you come up here and, and lead us in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, right now for your <clears throat> for your presence in this whole procedure right now, Father. Yes, Father. Every congressman, every senator right now, Father, we just pray your spirit to envelop them, <clears throat> surround them, enlighten them, God, to your truth. Yes. You are the spirit of truth. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You are the spirit of truth. Thank you, Lord. So just surround them right now, Lord, and we thank, thank you, Father. Let your will be done. Yes, Lord. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Amen. Yes, Lord. Amen. 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 One of my favorite biblical characters is Nebuchadnezzar. Talk about a guy who had some political horsepower going in the wrong direction. I, I really look forward to sitting down and chatting with him. Yeah, some pretty big issues. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you, everybody on on, uh, Zoom.